Dogfish Head, Pumpkin Ale, it's a nice 7% brown ale brewed with pumpkin and spices. You know, it's a pretty tasty beer. They were on sale. That's a good beer. Uh, So I'm drinking today a Ballast Point Sour Winch Blackberry Ale, Mm -hmm. and I have not had this one yet, so I don't think I've had that one yet either. Take a sip right now. This is my first sip of this Sour Winch, and uh, that's delicious. Yeah. If you like a sour beer, that's that's a beer. Not you. I know you don't, but yeah. anybody out there listening. All right. So as we do every episode, uh, let's kind of get in real quick to what we've been watching. Yeah. Lately. What what have you been up to, man? Been playing a little more video games this last week or two. Praise be. I've uh, I've still been playing some uh, the Red Dead Redemption, trying to get. How far ready. are you? I'm only about thirty percent in, so Did... that's um, a bummer because I've got a try to play more that new one comes out soon uh, yeah. did you make it to mexico yet oh, i have not made it to mexico oh, yet you gotta speed up bro yeah so i got frustrated at one point the other day i was doing a mission and it took me all the way from like where i'm at in the map to like the far west coast of the map uh-huh and i would get to that point and i mean i would take the wagon you know so i'd pay like 20 bucks to sure. travel there and i ran into some issues and i died like three times in a row and I got frustrated so I just got mad for like a day or two and that put me a little behind. Do you know you can quick travel in that game? I didn't. Oh, okay. So when you are outside of a village, so you just have to ride outside of a village, you can set up a campsite so you can save your game at the campsite and then there's an option to travel and then you can travel to any city or settlement that you find or you can travel to Waypoint. Oh, nice. So okay. if you set a waypoint, it'll actually drop you where you set it. That is useful. <laughs> yeah, you can save a lot of time not mm. having to spend all that money on wagons. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then uh, other than that, I've also been uh, playing. I started up The Last of Us on the PS4. Mm. Never played that game. Many consider it one of the best games Ever? Yeah, so I would say so. I'm about three or four hours into that, and I'm really enjoying it. The the, the opening that it hit you in the heart. Man, I mean, I don't. It didn't really affect me, but it but it was sad. Like mm-hmm. it was like, man, that's a bummer for that. It's dude. definitely one of the more cinematic video mm-hmm. games that I've ever played. Yeah, it's it's got me invested in the story, which I've told you before. I, I usually don't get that invested in video game stories, but I I really did on this one, so I'm, I'm really liking it. 
And other than that, I guess I've been playing some NBA 2K19. Started my season up with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder up, baby. NBA season. Nice. How about yourself? Well, I finished uh, Resident Evil 2. So I've moved on to Resident Evil 3, which I should finish the next time I play. And after that, I think I'm going to start Code Veronica. I'm, I kind of want to go that's through a the, tough one. I know. But I want to go through these old ones because we have the remake of 2 coming out in January. And I'm trying to supplement that with other horror games. Like, I really want to play that new Friday the 13th game. I want to play that one. And, yeah, Resident Evil, that's definitely, you know, every year around this time I, I play through those old ones. All right. Uh, cool. So, uh, any movies you've been, any, uh, any horror movies you've been watching this last week? Yeah, well, as you know, I just watched horror movies this month, so right. every single day get a horror movie, and I missed one day, but... These things happen, man. Yeah. Yeah, I watched Christine for the first time, okay. uh, John Carpenter's film from 1983, it's a Stephen King adaptation from a, uh, novel he wrote from the same year. I thought the movie was okay. It's uh, it's better because John Carpenter directed it. Like, it, that's a silly thing to say, but uh, like his style is kind of what made the film, you know, watchable for me. Uh, it's a very silly premise, you know, car, it, and they're more ambitious in the movie than they are in the book. I guess in the book, it's very clear about like whose soul is possessing the car and why it's doing the things it's doing. And in the movie, it's just like, oh, this is an evil car, and this boy becomes friends with this evil car. Uh, there are some really cool effects. Uh, the car has this thing where it regenerates, so it'll get, like, blown up and stuff, and it, like, pops its body back out. So I, I imagine it was done, you know, hydraulics and stuff and just, like, big prop puppet cars or something. But, uh, it, like, that part's cool, but... It's kind of a silly movie. There are a few scenes of, like, awesome John Carpenter music with the car stalking people. Nice. So it's worth a watch if you like his movies, but it's, eh. Yeah, know. it's one I've wanted to see for a long time. I'll get to it at some point because I have not seen that Carpenter film, and it's definitely one I've wanted to. So. Yeah, I mean, it's worth watching, man. I've got a couple here I will name. Um, uh, I saw Vampire's Kiss. Mm, yeah. This is Robert Bierman from 1988, uh, starring the great Nicolas Cage. And I'm going to go ahead and say this is probably Nick Cage's best performance. I loved it. You think it's a better performance than Leaving Las Vegas? You think it's a better performance than Wild at Heart? Yes. Huh. I was totally enamored with this thing. Like, I understand the movie is... Not really well made, but... It's a very bad movie. His performance, just like, man, it had me in awe. Like, I was entertained, and I was laughing the whole time. Like, I was just pure entertainment, and it was like a pure, like, just, it was a pure performance. Like, that's, I think I called it performance art, and that's how I felt about the film. And I am excited to see it more times. I kind of enjoyed it a lot. I could go the rest of my life without watching it. That's a bummer. I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I, it's, That's all right. He's man. entertaining. We're going to have a few things I think we might disagree on today. Probably. Because next up for me is a movie that I despised. Yeah? This was 2018's Apostle. Okay. This is by Gareth Evans. Mm-hmm. I'll try to not say too much bad. I, I just did not like this movie. Well, no. I The first half... You I should say bad, because I'm curious. The first we half I, I, I did kind of enjoy. Um, but um, 
there comes a point in the movie, and it's about the halfway mark, and he goes underneath this house. He finds a basement. From about that point on, the, the film really lost me, and I found it to be comical in, in its tone and in its actions its characters were making, and the supernatural uh, turn that it took did not work for me at all. So, that's I'll just leave it at that. I find that very curious. Sure. Now, can we talk spoil? Here's the thing. If you want to see Apostle, go watch it or fast forward through this part. Because I'm very curious. We haven't talked about this yet. So, like, the supernatural turn of it, you didn't like that. I did not. I, I actually liked it as a just a film about a cult. And once it turned to that supernatural take, I felt... Gareth Evans had spent a little too much time with Resident Evil 4. About that time, it just, man, I, I couldn't take, take it anymore. I watched you, the whole thing. No, just, I'm curious. Like, did you not think there was going to be a supernatural thing to it? I did not. Hmm. Uh, I thought, um, I found it interesting that they had, um, you know, captured his sister and he was, you know, uh, went there on, you know, this passport that was illegal and they thought it was another dude. They, you know, and I... I my most puzzling thing for me was the turn that the, not the leader of the cult, but his second in command took uh -huh. in the film, and his turn just out of nowhere into becoming this horrendous villain and this leader that was not the leader really puzzled me in his actions. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just curious, just because it, it baffles me that, uh, you know, we can come off Vampire's Kiss, which is totally just insane... And then this, the tone bothers you, but it's yes, pretty this, consistent. Yes, this did not entertain me. Vampire's well, Kiss entertained here's the thing. me. If you didn't like the movie, I, I get that. I did not like it. But So you didn't like the story? No. Like I said, I liked it the first half of the story. But visually, it's awesome. It was okay. I mean... There's some good shots. It's very competent. I mean, there was... It's a competent film. I mean, he's a competent filmmaker. But, like, he used a lot of wide shots in as far as, like, how he shot the landscape, which mm -hmm. is fine. I've never been a big fan of his last couple movies on how he shoots action. Now, the violence is decent. There's some decent gore. But I find his action a little uh, dull, to be honest, especially in the Raid 2 and this one. You think the Raid 2's dull? I do. You might be alone in that. Hey, I, I've heard other people not like it as well. Well, those so I am people not are crazy. Alone. I'll be crazy with them. Well, that's fine. Raid 2's awesome. Um, the first Raid, though, I did like. Yeah, that movie's awesome, too. Now, I like this movie. I, I thought it was really good. I, Since we're still talking spoilers, I think it's a really cool... You know, they're playing with the theme of servitude, like what religion can do to people, and like how religion's kind of created, if, if that is your belief, you know. But uh, basically, it's these three guys go to this island, and they basically find a forest god, a wood nymph, and use her to profit off the land, but eventually that runs out, and they have to turn to other, you know, means, which is why Dan Stevens' sister gets kidnapped. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I liked it. I, I thought the story was cool. Um, honestly, like, my complaint, and it's not a perfect movie or anything like that, I, I think it's a little too long, and maybe, long. maybe we could have done without the subplot of the the romantic uh, teenagers. I like some of the stuff that happens there, but maybe it's not necessary. Maybe you had an hour and a half. Maybe the movie's a little bit tighter and, uh, you know, more evenly paced. But I, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it was really cool. 
Fair enough. I found it middling, but such is life. Yeah. But you like Vampire's Kiss. I did love Vampire's Kiss. Yeah. I can't wait to watch that again. Uh. Apostle, I hope I never see again. Well, you, I mean, you're a human who can make choices. <laughs> you don't have to watch it again. Aren't we all? Well, last thing I guess I, I'll say that I watched, um, Halloween, uh, the 2018 one by David Gordon Green. I watched that in the theaters on Thursday opening night. I thought it was very fun. It, there's a lot of cool uh, stylistic things in there. Uh, pays nice homage to the original. Kind of gives you, you know, if you're a fan of that original movie, it, it's a pretty satisfying sequel to that. Uh, it's one of John Carpenter's better scores. I mean, all of his scores are really awesome, but this one, there's some really cool moments in the movie. Um, speaking, of, I don't want to talk too much about that movie just because it's so new. As of now, I think the movie is made... $33 million on Friday, and it's projected to open at 80, 80 plus. That would make it, I think, the one of the highest openings for a horror movie behind it, and that would put it on pace for, like, one of the highest grossing horror films ever. So that's kind of cool. All right. I'm very much looking forward to seeing it, so I'm hoping maybe I'll get to see it uh, sometime here in the next week, I hope. I hope so, you like it. Yes. You might hate it. I mean, hey, you're just hating random things. You never know out there. Right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you want to talk about uh, today's topic? Get us started. All right, let's uh, let's get into it. So, our first topic here, uh, this will be a our five essential horror films that we try to watch every year. So, this is stuff you watch yearly, or is it just stuff that like this is what you think of when you? This is stuff I try to watch yearly. Yeah, man. Um, for me, I uh, Brides of Dracula, nineteen sixty, uh, Terrence Fisher. It's a hammer horror film. It's the second vampire movie that they did. Uh, it's it's not actually like a sequel to the horror of Dracula. Uh, you do have Van Helsing in there, played by Peter Cushing. But uh, it follows a different vampire. And it is about him seducing this new, uh, like a, a school teacher. And uh, Van Helsing has to go in and save her. It, it's really cool. The movie's dripping with style, man. Probably, oh man, I don't know if it's a better movie than Horror of Dracula. Uh, both movies are excellent. There's parts of this movie that I love, though. I think that Peter Cushing's performance as Van Helsing is the best that it's in the entire series in this film. Uh, the action scene where he's in the mill mm -hmm. and fighting off the vampires, and you got the he's just so physical of an actor and i love that like when he's just running around jumping and like kicking off stuff and i i think it's a really cool you know you you kind of get the vampire hunter as an action hero before that it was very like scholarly and just you know like haha i saw you in a mirror yep. and things like that mm -hmm. you know edward van sloan from uh dracula mm -hmm. you know todd browning's but in this you know van helsing can be more of a heroic type uh, you find out from the horror of Dracula that, you know, it's kind of like a league of vampire hunters that go around fighting these vampires. It, it's a really cool movie. Uh, it, it is one of the hammers that I watch every year. I, I try to watch multiple hammers a year. Uh, I'm a big fan of, you know, Curse of the Werewolf, Curse of Frankenstein, Horror of Dracula. But uh, I'd say Brides of Dracula is probably one of the most consistent films that I watch, you know, yearly. Yeah, man. Uh that movie, that's, it's probably my personal favorite uh, Hammer film. Really? Now, I've only seen, I haven't seen like you have, I've probably only seen seven or eight, maybe yeah. around in there. 
But that it is that's my favorite one. Wow, it's really good. So you like that one more than Horror of Dracula? I do. Uh huh. Yeah. What What about Curse of Frankenstein? Curse of Frankenstein's cool. I've, I I've only seen that one once. I've seen Brides a couple of times. Yeah. Um. So it's one I could use a rewatch. Sure. For, but I did like that movie. I remember liking it. Yeah, I think the consensus is like Horror of Dracula is probably their best film, but uh, the vampire is so cool and Van Helsing man that performance. Yes. Yeah. All right. Good pick. Yeah. Uh, with my list, I'll just say real quick. I just I'm just gonna go uh, alphabetically with these. There's not like a you know top out of here. So uh, for my first pick here, uh, I will go with 1981's The Beyond, directed by Lucio Fulci. Mm. And this is my favorite Fulci film. And uh, man, uh, it's just a fun movie. A lot of uh, crazy zombie stuff happens. You have a sweet scene in a library with a tarantulas just eating a guy's body away. That's pretty sweet. A lot of basement stuff happens. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the hospital stuff's really cool at the end. Let, great gore It's so effects. surreal. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fulci is... I love Fulci. Like, he is a horror master, in my opinion, on a lot of his stuff. Uh, it's very much, you know, slow-moving, a lot of his films, and it's kind of all about tension and all about atmosphere, and uh, I dig it. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you. I think this is Fulci's best film. Um, it, it seems like and this movie's tied to his, you know, other, like, Gates of Hell movies. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like this movie, in comparison to the other, so you have... Uh, House by the Cemetery. Yep. Uh, City of the Living Dead. Yeah, City of the Living Dead. Yep. I feel like this movie is like a more realized version of what he's kind of going for. Because um, those movies have like their moments of right. surreal horror, sure. but they're kind of plotting. You yeah, know? This, this movie really moves for compared to those other two. Yeah. And and I, I like all three of the movies, but this, those do, you know, you really have to invest in those yeah. movies. And, and they do have, like you said, kind of build up moments that are fantastic. But I think this movie just, you know... It's constant it's set piece constant. in yeah, this movie. Sure. And by the time you get to the third act, like, it, it's just, like, art house, like, insanity, like, mm -hmm. H.P. Lovecraft, crazy, zombie, cosmic bullshit yeah. happening. And it's awesome. Like, it, the ending really works for me in this movie. I, I like it a lot. It's, it's one of the cooler Italian horror films. Yeah, it, it's a good one. Um, last year, I got a, I think, a new... Blu-ray by Grindhouse, I think they put it out, and I haven't watched it yet, which I plan on doing in the next week or so. Oh, hell yeah, And uh, I think it's a it's either a 2K or 4K restoration, yeah. so uh, I'm pumped to see the new transfer. I've got that old-school uh, Anchor Bay yeah, yeah. box set. That's right. So I, it's got, like, the lobby cards and yep. stuff in there. Yeah, that, man, that's a cool movie. All right, man. Well, for me, um, the, this movie is just a classic. And I feel like I don't even mean to watch it every year. It's just, it's such a fun, good movie, and it hits me emotionally. I just watch it all the time. American Werewolf in London, 1981, John Landis. Mm -hmm. I think this movie is a perfect movie. It's, like, the horror scenes are phenomenal. The effects work is great. I really buy the relationship between um, David Naughton's character and uh, Jenny Auguter. That relationship is so good. And it's heartbreaking by the end of the film. Uh, Griffith Dunn, you know, plays his friend. It He's a really funny Yeah, movie. it's funny. It's awesome. It, it's probably the best werewolf movie. Yeah. It, it's Transformation just, is insane. Yeah, Transformation's awesome. And, 
you know, I, people argue between like this and howling and stuff. And for me, I don't even think it's an argument. Like they're so different. What the directors are trying to achieve, it's just, it's just different. And this movie's so slick. Those nightmare scenes, man, it, it's it's a stellar film. It, yeah. I have a hard time imagining people not seeing this movie. Sure. Speaking of the nightmare scenes, like, the first time I ever watched that movie, the nightmare scene especially he has with, you know, the Nazi yeah. uh, stuff going on, that freaked me out. Yeah, before, well, But it's awesome. Man, man it that, freaked me out. That scare scene where the nightmare's over, and then, like, the Nazi demon thing mm-hmm. comes out of the closet at the hospital and stabs her in the chest repeatedly. Yeah. Like, that's freaky, man. You, the, uh, the, the double scare. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, in the porn scene where mm-hmm. everybody is, like, sitting in on the porno, like, trying to figure out ways for him to kill himself. <laughs> man, it's such a good scene, and the effects are so yeah. great. Yeah. It, man, and that movie earns everything. Like, it's perfectly paced. Every single scare, every single moment, the romance, all of it's earned. Yeah. That's so good. That's a good movie. Great choice. All right, man. I'm ready to hear your next movie. I've got so much anticipation building to this moment. Yes, so much. So, number two on my list here. I've got 1978's Dawn of the Dead. Ooh. Directed by George A. Romero. Rest in peace. Uh, So, this is my favorite zombie movie of Mm -hmm. all time. uh, With Day of the Dead being very close behind it. I think both of them are great. Yeah. But, uh... Good little story on this, which maybe we'll go into more in depth someday. Like, maybe mm-hmm. it could be a fun episode to say, like, what are things that really got you into cinema? Mm-hmm. But when we were, you know, this is one of the movies I that really got me into cinema. I remember I watched it with you uh, when we were, well, you know, probably seniors in high school. We yeah, that sounds a, about right. Back when Netflix was still disc by mail. Mm-hmm. And, uh... We had a day, I think we had a, a snow day or off day of school or something, and uh, you had rented Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, and we watched both those movies in the same day, and it was life-changing for me. So, but anyway, Dawn of the Dead, I think, is a brilliant film, uh, not only um, for what it's saying, you know, about, uh, you know, kind of commerce and, and uh, you know, people being like zombies, but also just a great film by Romero and effects by Savini, and I love the characters in it, and, like, I could just watch that movie on nonstop. Well, uh, yeah, it's a super entertaining movie. The The characters are great. It, it's got this, like, comic book, pop art sensibility to it. It's a very colorful film. Uh, it, it plays really heavy into just, like, the human antics of, like, a zombie apocalypse. So, you know, before this, you had Night of the Living Dead, and that really established what we now know as, like, the current zombie. You know, before that, it was all voodoo zombies. So it's, you know, mind control or raising some somebody from the dead on the, like, pretense of under, like, witchcraft or something like that. You know, this is unexplainable dead flesh being reanimated, all George Romero's creation. So this being the second exploration of that, I, it's an interesting movie. It, it really builds a lot of the tropes that we, you know, come to love now in this type of entertainment. And zombies have to be like, I mean, as far as a pop culture thing goes, it, it's one of the biggest horror things now. I mean, with Walking Dead, all these video games, you know, that are out. I, I feel like there's right. a new zombie movie out like every year at least. 
Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this movie's super important. It, it's awesome. Yeah, well, I'm glad you feel the same, man. And I wish I knew you would. Cause, yeah, it, it's you know, one of my favorites. We yeah. both have liked it for a long time. And, uh, yeah, it's... Do you have a favorite version? Uh, probably, like, I, I think I like the longer version a little more. So the director's the cut? The director's cut. But uh, to be honest, like... I, I think I've seen the theatrical cut more. But, uh, I like the theatrical okay. cut more. Um, have you ever watched the Argento cut? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, so that one's pretty cool. That's more action-packed, but they do edit out some weird, memorable scenes, you know, from the right. you know theatrical cut in the U.S. Uh, it's worth watching. Uh, I think you might get some more Goblin in that one. That's never a bad thing. No, not a bad thing at all. But yeah, it... If you can, I would say the... Because this movie's really hard to find now. If you can get the box set that... Uh, was it the Blue Underground or Anchor Bay put that out? Was it Anchor Bay? Ooh, I think it was Anchor Bay. Um, so it's like a four-disc set. If yeah. you can get that, that is probably the best version of the movie. You're going to get the most documentaries, and you're going to get every single version of the film and a comic book. Now, I do know that the, uh, the Blu-ray... Is just a theatrical cut, but the transfer on it's supposed to be very, very good. So if you if you can track down that Blu-ray, which is also out of print now, um, also definitely a worthy addition. Yeah, and uh, one more thing I'll I'll throw out to anybody who is a region free player owner, they have released a big kind of the the, the big four disc Blu-ray box set over there, and I believe it's uh, put out by Nicholas Reffin's uh, company. Nicholas Winning Reference Company, and so um, it has every cut of the film, I believe, all in either 2K or 4K scans, and it's supposed oh, to be wow. a very nice box set. So why um, do you know why that won't come here? Like I know it's a yes, rights issue. It is a rights issue. The man who owns the rights to that, he also owns the rights to Martin, and he is basically looking for a payday. And I don't think he understands concepts anymore of how how money works with those anymore. So yeah, like, you know. It's to the point where he thinks he's holding on to it because he thinks he can make a lot of money until someone offers him, like, the right amount that someone will put out. But the truth is, is he's not going to make that much money anymore uh-huh. from holding on to this, not giving them the rights. So that's all it is, is it's it's one guy who owns the rights to these, and uh, he doesn't want to give up those rights in hopes that he can make a fortune. Yeah, that's stupid. Yes. <laughs> um, and nobody really knows when or if these will come out on, on a yeah. on a you know nice version. So yeah, I mean, if you find these uh, movies secondhand, you know, pick them up. They're they're expensive. Yes. So. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, my next, I kind of cheated. I put two. Uh, they're universal classic horror films. I did Brighter Frankenstein, The Wolfman. Um, I picked two because. I watch these movies every year no matter what. Not every year do I watch every single Universal Horror classic, but I do watch these. Uh, Bride of Frankenstein is just one of the best films ever made. It's probably the best movie from that cycle of films, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Uh, James Wells' direction is phenomenal. It's it's a beautiful movie with tons of edgy postcode stuff. Um, it, it's awesome. It, it's the movie that when we're just sitting around, it's like, well, we need to put in like an hour and 20 minute movie. That's like what we're going for. Or, you know, if trick or treaters are coming by, it's earlier in the night, pop that movie in. It's safe for kids. Sure. You know, it, it's an awesome movie. And the Wolfman, 
for me, that's probably, man, that's probably my favorite Universal horror. Uh, it, it's just a notch below Bride as far as, like, quality goes. It, it doesn't do as wild or crazy things as Bride does, but still, it's a really good script by uh, Kurt Seidmack. I, I'm probably butchering his name, but uh, it, it kind of uh, it was the big one for the second cycle of Universal. So uh, if you if you buy these box sets and stuff, you probably think of it all as one cycle, but actually there's multiple periods to this. Uh, you have the original cycle that starts with, uh, you know, Dracula, if you're talking about the sound pictures. Uh, you could argue that it starts a little earlier with Phantom of the Opera from uh, 1927. So that goes up until the mid-30s. Uh, you do have your landmark films. So, you, you know, Dracula, Frankenstein, The Mummy. Um, but then they also did a bunch of Poe adaptations that were really only Poe adaptations in name only. Uh, so, you know, like Raven, uh, Murders in the Rue Morgue, things like that. You, a lot of uh, Karloff and Karloff and Bela Lugosi team-ups. All right, man. Uh, this next film, heavy hitter, Exorcist, 1973, William Freck and... Friedkin? Friedkin. Friedkin. You got it. A little, a little drunk. <laughs> um, man, this movie, I do watch this every year. Um, most of the time I get, can't get people to watch it with me, which is fine. Sometimes we need some, you know, time alone to enjoy, you know, some Satan movies. Yeah. I Actually, this movie, I think, is the, uh, I, I think it's the best Christian movie that's ever been made. Um, you know, if you, if you're somebody who, you know, is a Christian... I, I think that, like, this movie is more reaffirming to your faith than probably watching, you know, I, I Passion know, of Christ. Yeah, Passion of Christ, Ben-Hur, whatever. You know, this movie's actually got a message, and it's not just about, like, Catholicism and Christianity. Um, you know, it's definitely about, like, just evil and, you know, how that can affect people, normal people, and, you know religious people it, it, it the movie is i think the second highest grossing horror film of all time which if you adjust that to inflation i think it's probably the most successful horror film ever as far as ticket sales go like the movie was a phenomenon the book was also super super popular it, it's a really tight movie man and i i love it because it's got the production values it feels like a you know 70s drama you know it doesn't I feel like the scares aren't there to... They're not like today where it's like, ha, I got you. It, it's very much like, we're going to show you this thing that's happening and it's awful, but you're just seeing it. And like, you know, how we react to that, it's... Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't feel like there's too many gotcha scares. I don't know if I'm making much sense. No, it's... I, I agree with you. It's it's a good movie. I, I like it a lot as well. Yeah, it, it's, it's more... Um, I won't want to say gross gross out but there are gross moments and there are just horrific moments but it's not like you know gotcha scares or like sneak scares they're just kind of in your face mm -hmm. but they're horrific events nonetheless uh when when's the first time did did you watch this movie was it like I, a taboo thing yeah i actually didn't watch this movie until probably my early 20s uh-huh to mid 20s somewhere in there so i probably watched it Anywhere from around 10 years ago, probably, in that area. Yeah. And my dad, uh, he watched it, and, uh, you know, when he saw it, he said it scared 
scared the uh, the pants off him. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know... It, well, and being a man of faith, do you think sure. that this movie is more frightening? Yes, definitely. Like, it, do you think, like, showing the power of evil or, like, how perverse it can yeah, be? Yeah, for sure. And I, I kind of feel the same way about, like, The Conjuring. Um, I think, you know, obviously that I believe that um, Exorcist is a better movie. But I think The Conjuring does, you know, similar things as well. And, uh, but yeah, I find them horrific. I, I, I'm the type of person that I actually believe in demons. I don't uh-huh. really believe in ghosts, but I believe in demons. That's weird to me. Because <laughs> they, like, I don't know, to me, I feel like they exist in the same plane of thought. Yeah. Because, like, <laughs> if, if you believe in an afterlife, then, like, maybe yeah. ghosts are a thing. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not, no. we're not here to... That's, that's all, that's all fair. Maybe for another day. <laughs> um, man, I think this movie's a perfect film. When I watched this movie, and I'm talking about the theatrical cut, um, they did do a extended, like, the never-before-seen cut with that from, like, 2003. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the first time I watched the movie was around that time. Okay. So I would have been in high school. Sure. And the, the added scenes are cool because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, if you ever read the book, which the book is amazing, it's actually, it's amazing that... They took the book and basically put everything that's in the book on screen. There's nothing changed. Um, just a few things are cut. And honestly, the things that are cut are for the better. Like, the spider walk scene is really cool from the extended cut. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it works in the movie. I think that it's, you know, you're showing something too big too early in the film. But man, that theatrical cut, I, I think it's a perfect film. It's, I think, a little over two hours. And it's mostly just a character drama. And, you know, the title character, you get 15, 20 minutes of him in the beginning right. and 15, 20 minutes of him in the end. You know, this movie's mostly about, uh, you know, Reagan's mom and uh, Father Karras. Yeah. And the the acting here in this movie, it's so good. And I, I think it's with Jason Miller. Is he the guy who plays I believe that's, Father Karras? Right. Uh, he's not in too many things. I know he's a, a great stage actor. Man, his performance in this movie, like, it moves me. It's so good. All the stuff with his mom and, like, the guilt that he feels, you know, going off to, you know, Georgetown. And they use their location so well in the movie. Like, Georgetown feels like this... It, it's almost like another character in the film. Like, that stairway, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's... It's important to film history for a reason. It's as much a character as, you know, any of the other side characters. It's a wonderful set piece. It's it's a fantastic film. If you haven't seen The Exorcist, do it. it there's no reason not to. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, so next on my list here is 1955's The Night of the Hunter. Mm. So this is directed by Charles Lofton. Mm-hmm. And this would be the only film that he would direct, which is a shame. This is a movie that I quite enjoy. This stars Robert Mitchum, and he plays a uh, man that uh, takes advantages of situations, and particularly uh, widows um, who are uh, usually have a decent amount of money and are in the need of a new man. Yeah. And... Uh, so he plays the part here, and he goes around as a acting preacher, and uh, he comes to this town and finds a family that uh, uh, has um, a need, and uh, he becomes the man, and he 
uh, ends up uh, taking advantage of the situation uh, and uh, murders the his wife, who would have been Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters tries to cash in, and uh, uh, we have uh, really cool performances by a couple kid actors. We also have a, a great performance in one of her last roles, Lillian Gish. Just a creepy movie, like maybe some of my favorite cinematography of all time. There's like one of my favorite shots of all time is just this scene where you see Shelly Winters' body underwater and uh, just like you see like this amazing underwater photography and like the seaweeds and stuff coming out of her. It's just like a haunting and beautiful image. Mm -hmm. I love that shot so much. Anyway, just a great performance by Robert Mitchum. Like he is so good in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's so creepy. It also always makes me think of a certain song, The Same Way Never Again. So you got Leaning on the Everlasting <laughs> Arms. That's it. Love, hate. That's right. Love, hate. Yeah. Good good movie. Yeah, man, that's an awesome movie. A lot of horror connections there. So Charles Lawton, you know, played, yeah. uh, I believe, Quasimodo for uh, 1940, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, he also played uh, Dr. Moreau right. in Island of Lost Souls. Yeah. And he's got a nice bit part in uh, James Wells' um, flat, or, uh, Old Dark House. Okay. And he is married to Elsa Lanchester, the Bride of Frankenstein. So, yes. which outkicked his coverage. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, it, yeah, it would be cool to see more movies from him. Uh, Night of the Hunter is awesome. It's such a bummer. Um, you know, the movie, I don't know how, but I mean, it, it didn't click, I guess, with audiences when it came out, or it didn't click. I don't know what, but it... I can't, it's just hard to fathom when you watch it now. Yeah. Something that well made, just like, you just be like, you're not making another movie. I, I think that maybe, maybe it's too far ahead of its time. Sure. Kind of suffers from that, like, peeping Tom syndrome, where audiences weren't ready, you know. Right, just watched his career, man. You know, maybe three to five years later, mm -hmm. and, because, I mean, well, no, Cape Fear's like 62. Right, so that would Psycho's been... before that, yeah. 60. Yeah, so, so yeah. I don't know, maybe if it came out in the 60s, it would yep. be, uh, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, now it's regarded as one of the best films ever made, but uh, maybe back then, you know, the peers would have liked it more. Right. Well, it's a shame, but nonetheless, at least it was made, and you should watch it. Yeah, for your viewing pleasure. <laughs> yeah, Criterion's got a Blu-ray out on it. They do, Criterion has Blu-ray that as well, so yeah, check it out if you never have. Heck yeah, man. Well, my last film is the greatest horror film ever made. I have watched it every single Halloween, on Halloween, for probably since I was 12, and that movie is, yeah, Halloween by John Carpenter. I, I think this is the best horror film ever made. I find this to be another perfect film. There's no flaws in this movie. Michael Myers is an unstoppable killing machine. He's a force of nature, and I love it in this film. I love the tracking shots. I love the way that Carpenter shoots all of his scenery. He makes the emptiness of the scenes frightening with the music and the way he shoots it. You know, it, it just builds on that dread. Jamie Lee Curtis, um, you know, the other girls are great too. Uh, man, I, I just love this movie. It, it's so good. It's awesome, yeah. Yeah, it, is this your favorite John Carpenter film? Either that or The Thing. Uh -huh. Like, the... I, I like them both very much. <laughs> so it's hard to, for me to pick. Yeah. But it's it's up there, yes. Yeah, and you got Donald Pleasance, you know, playing uh, Dr. Loomis, who's kind of this Captain Ahab uh, character, hunting his white well, Michael the Shape. 
the music is phenomenal. Just the opening credits are enough to unnerve you. I remember the first time I watched this movie, so my mom recommended this film to me when I was a kid. We would do this thing where we'd go to the video store, and it'd be five movies, five days, five dollars. So I'd just rent a bunch of movies. And, you know, most of it would be horror films or, you know, just whatever video trash was being advertised, like, you know, Munchies or, you know, Child's Play 2, 3, whatever. So she was like, oh, well, if you want to watch a scary movie, you need to see Halloween. Like, this movie's awesome. So I watched that movie on one of my horror nights, and I I think I popped it early in the morning. So you're talking like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man. And my mom woke up during, like, the credits and came in and saw I was watching this. And I'm just sitting there, like, petrified because these credits, man, it's like... Mm -hmm. The music with just the pumpkin skull, it's scary. Yeah. And she's like, oh, this is a good one. And for years, man, uh, while I was living at home, you know, her and I, we would just watch that movie. Um, anytime it was on TV, we would watch it. Watched it every year since. I, I love it. I don't think there's a better horror movie that's been made. Man, it's so perfect. Yeah. Well, that's a good pick because it's a great movie. Have it. Real quick, I know we're getting into this probably later. How, how, how would you compare the the new one with with this one? Um, as far as just like, did it did it hold up for you? Like this new one? Uh, okay. No movie is gonna hold up to the original Halloween. There's nothing that they can do to replicate mm-hmm. how good. Like for whatever reason, that mask is going to look so good in that first movie that it can never be replicated it, it is the best people have tried and it, it just they can't do it that that first mask uh the way nick castle like his build and just the way he looks in you know the jumpsuit it, it's perfect and those set pieces um the new movie does do some things to honor the original film that the sequels kind of drop i feel like the sequels don't really play into michael's perverse sense of humor much right because in that original film he does weird things like he's just messing with people like Mm -hmm. lifting his sister's you know gravestone and i mean the whole you know i got your ghost bob yeah like that that whole scene (laughs) it's just him fucking with them that's a good scene he's got this weird sense of humor that the sequels never play with they never touch on it he's just generic like he might as well be jason Voorhees you know yeah. in the later films and in in the newest one they do play with that he does weird things yeah okay. weird weird perverse things and i also like the way that uh, david gordon green plays with like some of the tropes and shots from the first film um there's a lot of callbacks to the original film but he makes it his own and there's there's a tracking shot in the middle of the film that is one of the coolest horror movie things that I've ever seen. All right. Like, it's just, I'm watching this scene, and I'm just, like, on the edge of my seat. You know, you have the wonderful music playing, and, like, you're just seeing it, and it's just, wow, this beautiful rampage. And it's just, oh, that's so awesome. I... Well, you're, 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 you're making me more excited to see the movie. Yeah. Not that I wouldn't already. Now, I movie. will say, there's some stupid shit in the movie. Sure. Like, inexplicably, there's a thing that happens in the movie that's really, really fucking stupid. Okay. But the movie surrounding that stupid is so good that it doesn't matter. As far as, like, sequels to Halloween, 
it I don't know how to rank it as far as like comparing it to like like Halloween two is amazing. You know, I, I like H2O. The mask is garbage and some of the humor doesn't land in that film, but there's some cool set pieces in that movie. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a way better movie than H2O. I, I don't know. Uh, this is probably the most artistically in best crafted film since the original. All right. So I'll, I'll say that, you know, visually and John Carpenter's score, man, there's, there's a moment I want to talk about with you, but you need to see the movie. The, the musical cue, it's just, oh, it's so good. Because it, it's kind of like, everybody's trying to make John Carpenter movies nowadays. Like, that's the indie fad in horror. It's, let's make a John Carpenter movie. And to see him do it, like, you know, David Gordon Green's obviously directing and stuff. But to see, like, John Carpenter do the music that everybody's trying to replicate now, it's like, like, that's, that's it. Nailed it. Nice. It, it's so good. All right. Well... I'm excited to see it. Yeah, it, it's awesome, man. All right. Well, that will lead me to my last pick, and uh, this kind of just happened the way it did, because this is also my favorite all-time horror movie, and that would be 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Toby Hooper. This movie, like, kind of, the like, you, like, the first time I watched this movie, it really messed me up and freaked me out. <laughs> I didn't watch it as young as you watched Halloween. I was probably in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. Um, But, man, I I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I love just how grimy and dirty of a movie it is. It has, like, one of my favorite scares, like, of all time. And it's it's just horrific, really. But, you know, it's the first time you see the butcher. And, you know, he just opens that that door or you know he, he, he takes the girl knocks her on the head with the uh, the mallet and like the guy the, the, boy the guy i'm sorry the boy yeah. and then just slams that door uh-huh. and man that's that was amazing it's one of my one of my favorite shots yeah it, it's a <laughs> uh, phenomenal scene yeah you know i i just marilyn burns is really great in this movie like all the kids like is that who, who franklin franklin thank you franklin uh who <coughs> played by paul a <laughs> Parton or pa- yeah. Anyway, he's great. Like the end, like the the dinner scene is just like so uncomfortable. It's like one of the weirdest things. And you see like you know them trying to make Grandpa just like mess her up, but he's like this old decrepit like looks like his body's just made of nasty old fake skin. Like and then like when she like like the whole chase scene, she like gets out of there, you know, just everything about it to when she's picked up and then you see, like, you know, him just, like, Leatherface go out in the, the road and just lose his mind and start, you know, wielding the chainsaw in the air, like, just all of it. Just, it affects me so much, and, like, to this day, like, there's images I'll never, like, not think about. Like, I, I just love that movie so much, and it's, like, it was the first movie that ever, like, made me terrified, and there, it's, it's not like a you know, there's not a ton of gore in that movie. It's just a straight up, just like horrific, terrified feeling. Oh, it's like a fever dream. Yeah, for sure. And you know, Toby Hooper thought he was making a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Which you know, he would go a little bit more to that side on the second one. But which I like the second one too. Yeah, the second one's really fun. Yeah, but you know, it, 
It's, I, this first one's a perfect movie. It's a great movie. I, I didn't list it because I figured you would. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I didn't list Halloween because I figured you would. So <laughs> what's fun about our both our lists, we didn't have crossover. So I think no. that's awesome. So well, we and everybody uh, 10 movies here to think about. Dude, I, I mean, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw, those are perfect movies. Like, oh, yeah, for sure. I, great. Here's the thing. Like, people are so influenced by these movies. I mean, Halloween started an entire subgenre of film. I know Black Christmas came before, and you have things like Psycho and Peeping Tom and stuff, but the success of Halloween is what really drove the slasher genre. You wouldn't have any of those others without it. And Texas Chainsaw, I mean, how many times have you watched a documentary and heard, like, Steven Spielberg say, oh, yeah, uh, they did this in Texas Chainsaw, and I like it. Right. No, I mean, like, just, it's one of the most influential movies, and it's so right. lo-fi, and all these, it influenced yeah. so many directors from the 70s. Exactly. You know, something even, like, as, in, as big of a movie as Alien is. You know, Ridley Scott basically said, I was making Texas Chainsaw in space. Yeah. That's why I also love Alien, but, like, he was, this is a, this was a very monumental movie, a, a very, uh, uh, important movie. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. It's great. Yeah, landmark <laughs> American cinema, if you haven't seen Texas Chainsaw, definitely watch it yes it's phenomenal and uh you know both we should mention both halloween and chainsaw both have awesome blu-rays out now as yeah well. halloween just got a 4k it uh, did. a couple weeks yes. ago so uh great versions to um yeah texas watch. chainsaw uh if you can get the 40th edition blu-ray yeah uh it's got the uh him standing in the doorway is the scene that nolan described the scary one which i did a poor job of but no no it's beautiful um <laughs> And that's a two-disc set with some really great documentaries. Yeah, for sure. So check both those out. Yeah, great movie. All right, man. So let's quickly talk about some movies yeah, this is that you want to watch. This is not going to take long. No, because we haven't seen them. We haven't them. seen them, yes. So uh, these are, uh, you know, I think me and you kind of went maybe different a little bit in both our lists, but they're both similar as far as what we're aiming for. So these are five horror movies that are new to us mm-hmm. that we would like to watch either this year or... Or sometime in the future sure. if we can't have access to them. So, Stacy, start us off, man. What's your first pick here? All right, man. Uh, this is a recent film. Uh, it's called Lake Mungo, directed by Joel Anderson. I believe that's right. I can't read my writing. Anyways, I, I this might have been like one of those after midnight or whatever, you know, like straight to DVD horror films. But I read, I th- it might have been from Slash Film. I read about it, and it just sounded cool. It's a ghost story on a lake. So, and I hear it's scary. I hear it's legit scary. I've never heard of that one. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, what I'm going to do with mine real quick is, this is just easy for me, so I'm going to name the movie, uh-huh. and I'm going to name real quick the letterboxed description. Okay. And I think that'll be easiest. Sure. So, my first pick here is The Driller Killer from 1979, directed by Abel Ferrara. And Ferrara is a director I'm what both of us are a little familiar with. Mm-hmm. He's done some really great films. You have seen The Driller Killer. Oh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, but real quick, Letterboxd says, The blood runs in rivers and the drill keeps tearing through flesh and bone. An artist slowly goes insane while struggling to pay his bills, work on his paintings, and care for his two female roommates, which leads him taking to the streets of New York after dark and randomly uh, killing derelicts with a power drill. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, I've wanted to see this movie for a number of years. I have the Blu-ray. Arrow put it out, so I'll get to it hopefully in the next week or so. Dude, I hope to be there when you do. It's right. really good. Very good. All right, man. Well, another movie I want to watch. It's called Splinter, also from 2008, uh, directed by Toby Wilkins. I believe it is about 
uh, a few people trapped in a gas station while horrific monsters are terrorizing them. It sounds cool. It's got uh, Shay Wingham, I believe is the actor's name. And, you know, he's pretty good. I like him in Boardwalk Empire. And uh, it just looks like a cool movie. I like monster movies. Um, I really want to watch it. Yeah, I've heard of that one, and I have not seen it. Uh, that one's pretty accessible. I think that it's on Shudder and uh, Amazon. Okay, very good. Uh, for my next pick, I'm going with 1989's Santa Sangre, directed by Alejandro Jodorowsky. Uh, again, I've seen a few of Jodorowsky's films, and uh, he's someone I'm very interested in. I like his work a lot. I've heard great things about this movie. Again, I have the Blu-ray, so I'm going to check it out in the coming days as well. Uh, the description, forget everything you have ever seen. A young man is confined to a mental in a mental hospital. Through a flashback, we see that he was traumatized as a child when he and his family were circus performers. He saw his father cut off the arms of his mother, a religious fanatic and leader of the heretical church of Santa Sangri, which stands for Holy Blood, and then commit suicide. Back in the present, he escapes and rejoins his surviving and armless mother. So this sounds like a messed up movie, and I can't wait to see it. I also want to see that movie. I haven't seen it. But following uh, themes I talked about last time we spoke, you know, with the unknown, Todd Browning Circus horror film, um, sounds very similar. Yes. Yep. So very cool. Yes. Yeah, I, I really want to see that. Jodorowsky's awesome. So next for me is Clown House, 1989. Uh, Victor Salva, uh, it's these two boys being terrorized by criminals who are dressed as clowns. Uh, the movie's probably more notable for Salva uh, molesting one of the actors wow. during the filming of the film. Um, surprisingly, so they... So some real-life horror. Yeah, you knew about this, right? I have heard of that, yes. Yeah, so uh, it, it's... Man, it's shitty of me that I don't know the kid's name, but... Uh, he did give his blessing on watching the movie. You know, he says it's a good movie and he's proud of it. But, and Salva served time in jail, I believe. It, it is shitty that he's allowed to make movies still. Sure. That sounds... But, I mean, the movie sounds cool. I, I hear it's yeah, one of, like, the better horror films. I'd be down to check it out, So, okay. it's gotta be better than Cheaper's Creepers. How, how easy is that one to access? Do you have any idea? Yeah, not at all. Not at all. Okay. We will keep that one in mind. <laughs> All right, uh, next on my list, I've got The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Miss Osborne, directed by Valerian Barovchik. I'm a Barovchik fan. This is one I have not yet seen. Again, guess what? I have the Blu-ray, so it's one I uh, will hope to watch in the coming week or two. I'm feeling a common theme here. Yes, that's right. All, at least these are easily accessible for me. <laughs> uh, it's the engagement party for brilliant young Dr. Henry Jekyll and his fiancée, the beautiful Fanny Osborne, attended by various pillars of Victorian society. But when people are found raped and murdered outside and ultimately inside the house, it becomes a clear that a madman has broken in to disrupt the festivities. But who is he and why does Dr. Jekyll keep sneaking off to his laboratory? Um, so, you know, knowing Barovchek, this will be a very um, strange um, take on the Dr. Jekyll story. And... Um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. Have you seen any adaptations of that story, like film-wise? You know, I, I, I know I see, have. I, did you see the Frederick March one from the 30s? I have seen the Frederick March okay. one, yes. Um, other than that, I don't know if I've seen a lot. John Barrymore from the 20s? No, I don't think I've seen that one. Okay. Well, yeah. It's creepy, but it, the yeah. Frederick March one is probably the best one. Yes, that's what I've 
gathered as well. Yeah. But I did like that movie, yes. Yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, man. Yeah, I, I thought The Beast was pretty interesting, so yeah, I would, yeah, I, I would watch it. I'm a, I'm a fan of his. I'm, I'm really a fan of the way he, he frames and um, his pictures. I, I, he's someone I've really became interested in over the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see He, he kind of shoots uh, fairy tales for adults. That's true. Yeah. They have a very like dreamy quality to them. Very much so, yes. All right, man, what do you got next? Uh, So here's a movie that I, I think you can watch on YouTube. But I, it's not available elsewhere. Uh, the Devil Rides Out, 1968. It's a Terrence Fisher Hammer film. Uh, it is a cult devil movie that, from my understanding, was a Christopher Lee passion project. And he's in the movie. And it's about these people just encountering uh, paganism. And Terrence Fisher is a fantastic director. We talked about, you know, his films, uh, Brides of Dracula. Right. You know, he did Curse of Frankenstein, Curse of Werewolf, mm -hmm. um, Horror of Dracula. So it, it's just one of those landmark films of his that I just haven't seen. And, you know, it's like an early entry into, you know, the satanic, you know, films. They become popular going into the 70s. You know, starting in the late 60s with yeah. Rosemary's Baby and stuff. But, you know, I'd really like to see it. I, I'll probably watch it on YouTube because... I think that there... I don't know if there's a Blu-ray available. I know that they did a DVD, and then there's a DVD combo pack with, like, that package with Ross Putin, which okay. is another Hammer film starring Christopher Lee. Yeah, hard to find. That's cool. I, that's one I haven't heard of. So, again, so, yeah, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, next on my list, I have 1974's What Have They Done to Your Daughters? Directed by Massimo... Dalamano, and this is a sequel of sorts to um, uh, the movie uh, what, Solange? Have, what Have You Done to Solange? Uh -huh. I, I believe that's the title of it. It's by the same director. I thought that movie, I, I think I liked that movie a little more than you. I didn't like think it was a masterpiece, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was pretty good. And I'm very interested to see uh, this movie, which uh, also, again, I just recently got the Blu-ray of. It came out on Arrow. And so this is a Jallo film. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've heard good things, so I'm, I'm interested to see it and, uh, see what it's about. Awesome. So, yeah. Well, for me, um, Night of the Demon, 1957, uh, Jacques Tourneur, or Tourneur? Tourneur. Tourneur. Yes. Um, you know, it came up, uh, during the Val Luton cycle. Uh, this is supposed to be a landmark film that I have not seen. It's... I, I know they came out with a DVD double pack, and you've got a Blu-ray on order. So, yeah. So, this is, you know, good news, bad news. The bad news is we probably won't get to see it before Halloween. Yeah. The good news is we will get it probably the first or second week of November. Uh -huh. So, I do have it on pre-order as indicators putting it on Blu-ray. This is a movie I, I thought that I ordered. So, tough luck on me. But it's a movie I've always wanted to see. It's about a... Uh, I believe it's a private investigator uh, investigating a cult. And it's famous for, you know, having the style that was, you know, kind of the Val Luton style where it's all, like, in your head and stuff. And the studio decided that they wanted a demon. I'm sure you've seen the picture of the yes. demon. Mm -hmm. um, so you get to actually see a demon. Which but... was kind of a big thing. Like, I don't know if it was controversy or not, but, like, in most of his films before that, like, he always suggested horrific things, right. I guess, but never really showed them yeah right? in turner's films um yeah i don't know if he did the leopard man that movie shows stuff 
But, uh, yeah, most of those, like, Val Luton cycle films, uh, and he did, you know, the most famous ones, uh, Walk with the Zombie, right. uh, mm-hmm. Cat People. Yep. Um, no, you, everything is suggested. So, yeah, the idea of having, like, a demon full on display, that's kind of perverse. Yep. Uh, for, you know, that style, but, uh, I've heard nothing but good things. I really want to see it. All right. Uh, so, this will lead me to my last pick. In the meantime, real quick, I am sorry to everyone. I forgot to give the plot description of what have they done to your daughters. My apologies. You'll have to look that one up on your own. <laughs> so my <laughs> Yeah, more abortions? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Woo! Um, so my last pick here is Zombie 3 from 1988, directed by Lucio Fulci. Well, half directed by Fulci. Right. But this movie, like, this is one I will admit I don't have high expectations for. I just want to see it because I'm, I'm a Fulci completist. And I hear there's at least probably some good gore effects. So I understand this one is probably not a good movie. But uh, a but I'm not going to say that because I haven't seen it. So I plan right. on watching it soon. Uh, Blu-ray was recently uh, released for this, I believe, by... Well, Severn? Um, Severn, thank you. Yes. Um, so real quick on this one. When a terrorist's body infected with a stolen chemical is recovered by the U.S. military... The corpse is cremated, unintentionally releasing the virus bacteria into the atmosphere over a small island. Soon the infected populace mutate into flesh-hungry zombies, and a trio of soldiers on leave must team up with a group of terrorists and board themselves up in an abandoned hotel as they try to fend off the agile and aggressive living dead. With this movie, I am sure that plot and story mean nothing. So, take that for what you want. But You're just in it for the gore. I am. <laughs> so, nothing wrong with that, yeah. man. That's that's that. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that's a good uh, list of things that you should watch, things that we need to watch. Yeah. Um, feel pretty good about all this. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. Um, here's here's what yeah. I propose. Let's hear it. If you can get to the theater to watch David Gordon Green's Halloween sequel, I want to do maybe an emergency podcast Yeah. where we talk about that and maybe the rest of the Halloween series. I know you haven't seen all the films. But you've seen enough. Sure. We can talk about Michael. The only ones I really haven't seen are what most people consider the worst ones. Right. Five, five and six. Five and six. Yeah. Yeah. Those garbage. I have even seen um, the the uh, the one with the Buster Rhymes. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, but I've heard it's garbage. <laughs> it's not um, great. Yeah. If you can get to see that movie, because there's a lot that I'd like to talk about. Mm-hmm. All right. That would we will uh, hopefully get to that because that sounds like a lot of fun. Um, in the meantime, uh, I don't think we had any crossover. No. So we gave you 20 films to consider watching yeah. this holiday season. Well, and I would say 10 holiday you season. should definitely go watch. Yes, 10 for sure. And then 10 others that we don't know, you don't know. If you don't know, go check them out. Yeah, so, you probably know. You probably know. So uh, I had a lot of fun with this episode, man. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. Technical difficulties aside. These happen from time to time. Yeah. So, uh anyway uh thanks for listening uh we are cinema parlor you can find us uh on twitter you can find us uh me and stacy both on letterboxd and uh you know happy halloween everyone. yeah most important thing don't be stingy on the candy that you pass out to the kids for halloween get the good stuff yeah get candy bars don't get stuff. candy corn no we saw a commercial at the alamo draft house then this commercial they're giving juicy fruit oh man no, no. I like juicy fruit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you get a candy bar. You don't want a piece of 
A single piece of gum? That's a lame. I would have been in heaven. Uh, you, Give me all the gum. You're the worst. Thanks for listening, everybody. Goodbye.